It's Coalfield and Company. 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 Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Coalfield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, that's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah! Five o'clock hour, a lot going on tonight, a lot going on around the world of college football, the NFL. We got the Raiders, of course, coming up on Sunday in a home game. Uh, somehow they squeezed in this game on a Friday night. Adam, they're going to play the Pac-12 title game. I don't know how they're going to turn around the stadium in time, but they'll, they'll find a way. But we got Utah and Oregon going out of kickoff coming up here in less than 10 minutes and a lot of stories swirling around that game. Adam, they will be able to do the switchover, right? The Raiders will be okay. They'll, they'll be able to get in the... Uh, Get the field in and be all ready on Sunday. Wasn't that why they play Friday? Oh, they played Friday in the past. But I I know that they they can do a Saturday. You can't you can't play in the stadium the day before the Raiders do anything. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Actually, I was told that uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, for several of the U uh, I almost said UFC USC several of the UNLV games that the stands at the one end of the stadium were not pulled out. Right. Right. Uh, that that section takes an amazing amount of time to get out of there. That's actually very cumbersome. If you can describe a, a stadium switchover as cumbersome, but that actually is time consuming. So uh, they'll have to deal with that because they will have the stands out. The stands are out. I'm looking at the stadium right now on TV. Uh, they'll have a good crowd for this one and the, the big game on tap. The national college football writers and the Pac-12 writers are just raving about the venue, by the way. Have you... Aside from yourself, have you talked to anyone who hasn't been impressed? Um, I think I think most people that aren't aren't impressed isn't the right word. Right. Um, it's it's obviously a very impressive building. I think the the difference that you have in it, it's it's the fact that you know a lot of people have been to both, but you walk into SoFi and you're like, oh my god, and you walk into a Legion, you're like, this place is really really awesome. But there's just like that that awe factor isn't there. It, it, it's kind of kind of similar to me, um, you know, with a couple of newish type stadiums. Like I walked into Petco and I was like, this this is awesome. This is great. I love this place. But you walk into like AT and T Stadium in San Francisco and you're like, whoa, this is incredible. Like it just doesn't have that awe factor at Allegiant. But it's it's great. It's an unbelievable venue. I, I've I've compared the two, and I, I don't know if you've been on when I've compared the two. Going to SoFi, SoFi is a stadium. I mean, it is a it, the enormity of the place is crazy. The footprint of the place is crazy. Um, the fact that you know the outside views are are impressive. The screen is ridiculous. The more I the more I compare other stadiums to Allegiant, Allegiant really is like a giant arena yeah. that can house football that can hold upwards of sixty thousand. Because most of the seats in the place, or you still feel like you're right on top of the field. That's it. Just it doesn't feel like a massive stadium. It's more of a the confines are are comfy. All right, let's do uh, number five here in the Big Five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at five. Number five. Like eight years into this, I forgot the name of the feature. <laughs> 
I'm on the road. Uh, Running Rebels are going to be playing tomorrow night. Right now, they're 4-4. Four and four. I don't know if they're reeling. I do think they need to get things fixed pretty quickly here. It's been a process, Adam. They got bombed at SMU. They weren't very good from the beginning. They played a little better in the second half. The defense wasn't great in the second half. And, hey, we're seeing this all over the country. There are teams that put together new groups and some places that's working pretty rapidly right out of the gates. I thought SMU, because SMU has a lot of new guys. They've got one great player in Kendrick Davis. They had another good holdover. But then most of the guys who contributed were actually playing at smaller schools around the country like Duquesne and Texas Southern and, and Sam Houston. And SMU looked fine. There are some growing pains right now for the running Rebels. And the other part of it is a part of the pain of the growth is actually getting Bryce Hamilton untracked here because he's not shooting the ball well. And I think he's kind of – he's trying to figure out, you know, how he can score but also keep everyone else involved. Yeah, I think for sure it's a process. And, and I feel like if you were really paying close attention uh, to what was going on, I think you kind of saw – the SMU game coming, um, I I certainly felt like it was it was bound to happen, and that was a pretty good spot for it to happen, uh, just because they had these games leading up to it that looked like they were so high profile in terms of you know having Michigan come in, um, you know one of the top teams in the country at the time, and I still think they will be. Um, you had that opportunity against UCLA, one of the top five teams in the country at home. Where you're like, all right, these are huge opportunities to get a win. This is a big chance to, you know, really put that imprint on the program. And this is, the, you know, we're back kind of thing. And they weren't able to do it. And, you know, had a really close game against Michigan. Wasn't so great against UCLA. But you just kind of saw, like, that letdown spot coming of that uh, kind of exhaling and just, oh, man. And you, you, you expected that one to happen, I think. And you got it. Now, it's not a, it's not to excuse it. That's not... That's not where this program should be. They they have too much talent to have situations like that happen. But you also did kind of see the spot coming a little bit. We you know we talked about spots uh, for some other teams this week in, in other sports. Um, that was a really bad spot to me. Um, but I also think people underestimate how good SMU is. And I'll tell you this: I think people don't know how good San Francisco is either. Correct. Very good. Well, the West Coast Conference has actually surprised a lot of people. There's a bunch of good teams. Uh, in this conference. So tough test tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, 6.30 is running Rebel warm-up. Number four. A quick hit on the UNLV football program. Uh, Jacoby Winman made the big news early in the week. The best player on the team, best player on the defense, decided to transfer. And if anyone out there was like, oh, I wonder where he's going to go. I wonder if it's going to kind of be just a you know lateral move. Maybe it'll just be somewhere close to home. You know, I mentioned um, if it were me, you know, I would look at the education end of things, and if he wants to go close to home, I would go to Tulane. But, you know, Tulane, you're not going to – you're playing pretty high-level football, but you're certainly not competing to, oh, I don't know, you know, win a, a conference title or a national championship. Have you seen the list of schools that have offered Jacoby Winman, who was the best player on this UNLV team? Uh, yes, everyone. It is crazy. Texas, Iowa State, Minnesota, K-State, Indiana, Kansas, Louisville, Missouri, Maryland, Houston. You go on down from there. You know, AAC programs like South Florida, Central Florida, Tulane, FAU, Western Kentucky, UTSA, Liberty, and I'm sure he's added a few since. So I, I think it's great for him. He turned himself into a hell of a player. Um, I'll give credit to this coaching staff. Well, I'll give credit to both coaching staffs. First of all, the fact that Tony Sanchez found him on a recruiting trip for someone else is pretty amazing because the guy could be on the verge of, you know, an NFL career in a couple of years. And uh, Sanchez and Peter Hansen really did him a favor.
moving him to linebacker instead of outside edge rusher. And he put up monster numbers. And, you know, now he's caught the attention of all these big programs after a season with like 119 tackles, six and a half sacks. I think it was like, you know, 12 and a half tackles for losses. So he's going to land somewhere nice. He's going to turn out to be a really good story out of UNLV. Yeah, I think so for sure. And, you know, you can't, as you mentioned, when you have a list like that and you have the opportunity to play at an, an incredibly high level, um, I think it's very tough to turn that down. And whether that's, you know, playing at a high level or graduating from a school, not that UNLV is not a good school because it has become a very good school, um, but you have some, you know, a chance to go to a prestige school potentially and, and finish your education. If you don't uh, go to a place that's more of a football factory that's going to help turn you into an, an NFL player. So there's just too many opportunities out there to, to blame or to fault a kid for making a decision like that. I mean, I think there is something a lot of people would just say, hey, you're on the verge of having a good team here. Like, see it through. Eh, you, you have to look out for yourself at times, too. And uh, I don't I don't think it's a, you know, it should be a huge indictment on a kid for making a decision like this. I think it's probably the right move. I didn't mention the last offer that got that he tweeted out was Michigan State. Of all those schools I listed, where would you go? Man. I think uh, Texas would be pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would. It'd be kind of cool to play there. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind like Houston either. Uh, but yeah, Texas would be tough to turn down. Number three. All right. Well, we got the last week here with all the title games setting up the CFP. So what's your prediction on what's going to happen? Is there going to be a, a shocking loss? Uh, what happens in Bama, Georgia? What happens Michigan? Iowa, what happens with Cincy and Houston? I mean, obviously, hope Michigan wins. Um, I think they will. I think they'll win a very close game. Uh, just kind of squeak by. Uh, so, that, I would imagine, would keep them at number two. Um, I think Georgia wins a close game and Alabama moves up. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Uh, so, I think you can see that happen. And, uh, I don't know. I think Cincinnati wins, but I don't think it's a blowout. And I think they they can they can get a buy with saying, "Well, you had a chance to blow somebody out in Houston, and you didn't, you didn't do it. You let them stay around, let them be competitive. Better luck next year." So we're on the same path, except that I think your Wolverines are actually going to lose. Okay. So my final four prediction is, and you know what? I'll actually amend this from what I wrote. Uh, Georgia won. Alabama two, Cincy three, Notre Dame four. I think Michigan loses. They'll be out. I, the Notre Dame story to me is completely fascinating. They could get into the college football playoff. Meanwhile, Brian Kelly, or I, I, would, I don't even know how you would say his name now. Is it Brian? I don't know even know how to do a Southern accent. I can't even, I don't, I don't know what he was doing. I can't fake a Southern accent. It's Foghorn Leghorn. It, I do declare I'm happy to be at LSU. <laughs> I'm Brian Kelly. <laughs> there, did I, I think I nailed it. Yeah, so this uh, this story about Brian Kelly is uh, very fascinating. He walks away from Notre Dame. Now, Marcus Freeman, the 35-year-old D.C., is the head coach. Um, if it's not Michigan who's in it, I, I would think you'd be behind, even though Notre Dame is a mortal enemy. It would be a really cool story if Notre Dame, with the new coach, actually made a run, made the playoff, and could actually win a game and get to the final. I mean, I, I love the storyline of it. Yep. Um, it would be it would be fun to watch that. I'm I'm kind of here for it. Uh, I definitely don't want. Uh, I we need Baylor to win, right? 
You know, that's another interesting one against Oklahoma State. I don't know if you uh, – you know, just combing what was going on today with all the college coaching rumors. There's, there's a, uh, there was a note out today that Mike Gundy actually was kicking the tires at other places trying to get the hell out of Oklahoma State, that he had some interest in the Florida job, which I had, I had called like uh, – I don't know. It's not, not like some brilliant – uh, prediction, but I, I thought he'd be interested in LSU, and I don't, I don't know if they, you know, in the end, there was any reports that he was interested in LSU, but um, back to your point, yes, it would be fun to see Oklahoma State on the precipice, freaking fall flat on their face, you know, led that, by Gundy. No, if you have Georgia 1, Alabama 2, are you saying Alabama wins that game? No, Alabama lost a really close game. Okay. So they and move they move up all the way up to 2. And they move all the way up to 2. Okay. <laughs> Is there any other? But but like you said, Cincinnati Cincinnati was really close, so they actually they ding Cincinnati, and they're like, well, I mean, Alabama played Georgia really close. Let's move them all the way up to number two. I mean, is there any other SEC schools we can squeeze in there? Uh, believe me, in any other year they would. It's like so. Kentucky would just like squeeze them. Hey, you know what? You they already, overperformed. You know, you already saw Greg Sankey this week was uh, was quoted as saying, "Hey, this if they do." have the playoff system he does not want automatic qualifiers from conferences because of course oh my god you know, that would mean that you could have you know something you know whatever you could have the the aac right or the acc with pittsburgh and uh wake forest in the final um you know he'd, he'd want to well i guess there would be well no there wouldn't be so if we don't have automatic qualifiers and if there's a year where one of the one of the power five conferences has a couple of teams that are freaking eight and four at the end of the year hey sorry you're not getting in we can get in five sec teams oh it's just the whole thing's crazy. If they don't do automatic qualifiers, then why even expand? That'll be frustrating. Um, but yeah, I'll, all I really want is chaos, like always. That's what I'm hoping for. Except, not too much chaos. Let's uh, let's make sure number two stays where they are, um, and then chaos everywhere else. Number two. So let's talk VGK. Are you tracking this game tonight? I don't even know how much you're on the Vegas Golden Knights anymore. Will you be able to watch the game because it's a Hulu night? I know everyone now in Vegas loves that it's a Hulu night, and I will say to everyone. I've had Hulu the entire time, so when you were mocking on me for my lack of access to the Vegas Golden Knights, now that it's turned around, up yours. Well, I think it's also on ESPN Plus. Exclusively on Hulu and ESPN Plus. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will be watching on ESPN Plus. Um, it, I'll, I'll say this. At the, oh, man. Uh, are you even a sports fan if you don't have ESPN Plus at this point? Who doesn't have ESPN Plus? That's what I'm saying. Nobody. Uh, you have to. I mean, I have it because I got the Disney package. You got the bundle? Otherwise, I might not have it. You have I'm kidding. Have... I, you, for, for us, we have to have it, especially for college football and college basketball. And I, I, I told you years ago that ESPN Plus is great because it archives. So, essentially, yeah. it's its own DVR. You don't have to mess with, you know, if you miss games or something happens, you can always go back and watch the game. Yeah, I think I'll be sitting in a coffee shop watching the game on ESPN Plus on my phone. I'm very excited about it. What's going to happen in the game? I mean, they, they need to kind of regroup. Um, has, it hasn't been – they haven't been very well organized lately. They've been kind of uh, undisciplined and sloppy, uh, starting to get guys back. And I think that's that's part of it too. Like you can't just say, oh, team's healthier now. This is great. Like you, they, they have to work together. They have to figure out how to blend in the new guys and the older guys and um, really just kind of merge that together, those different groups. So it's going to be a process, I think, to get back out there. But there's been a lot of – you know, ugly rushes, a lot of defensive lapses. Um, I think that you see a little bit better performance tonight. I think they start to get it together because that game the other day was just horrific with some of the lapses they had. Uh, I think they play a better game tonight, and I think they win. Number one. What is your number one storyline for the Raiders 
and the football team because I sort of love that the guy who may have been wronged in being fired as the head coach, who was actually a more winning coach than John Gruden, Jack Del Rio gets to come back and exact a little bit of revenge in front of the fans. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, he's the defensive coordinator for the uh, football team. Um, He's the only guy, head coach, that's led the Raiders to a playoff spot since 2003 and did have a better record than John Gruden. True. And I will also. 12 and and 4 to 6 and 10, and then he was fired after year three. I'll also point out he did a very good job in his availability this week of, you know, not building up the drama, not talking about, you know, revenge and that sort of thing, but also slipping in the fact that. Hey, Derek's played really well this year. He's having a great season. Uh, the only other time I think he might have been playing better is that MVP candidate year when I was there, <laughs> which I enjoyed. I thought that was good nice. to kind of subtly bring that up. Um, we It's kind of been blown over a little bit. I haven't seen too much discussion, but there was a little Del Rio car drama last year. Do you remember this? So Del Rio was asked, I don't think it was maybe it was two, two years ago. Um, when there was so much chatter about how bad Derek Carr has been in cold weather games. And Del Rio made a comment in an interview about how bad Carr had been in cold weather games, and he picked against him. I think it was before that Jets game, maybe. Turned out to be right. Uh, you know, that was an ugly performance by Carr and the Raiders. And, you know, Del Rio had said he's just not very good in cold weather. And Derek Carr fired back. And I believe what he said at the time was... Well, I think Jack was on the sideline for a lot of those, so he would know, basically saying, like, hey, you lost the games as a coach, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Um, If I remember the developments properly, Del Rio then went on Twitter and said something to the effect of, hey, listen, Derek's a great quarterback, Uh, didn't mean anything personally by it, but he has been bad in cold weather. (laughs) Wow. Which I think was great. What is the word on on their relationship? I mean, like, this week it was good. Um, you know, it seemed like there was a lot more, um, you know, respect going back and forth and, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I know Rich Passaccia, Greg Olson both talked about, um, you know, Derek knows Del Rio. He probably has a little bit of sense of what he wants to do to him defensively. Del Rio probably has a good sense of how to get into Carr's head a little bit, uh, for a defense. So that chess match is going to be interesting. And, uh, they talked today about some adjustments that they think Del Rio has made to his system. Uh, so that you know, listen. It, there was only three players, I believe, on the roster now that were that were on the roster then when Del Rio was here. So it's not like he knows all these guys, but certainly the fil- familiarity with Derek Carr is there. Uh, so I think that is an added dimension of the chess match, kind of between those two this week. Uh, coming up, we'll hear more from uh, Del Rio and Carr. We'll also get into some of the news of the week around the Raiders, which also included more statements about how Gruden was taken out by media goombas. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Probably Derek can answer better, I think, but I'm, I'm sure Coach Del Rio feels like, ah, I got a pretty good handle on, on Derek. I've seen him in a lot of practices. I've seen him in a lot of game situations. Derek studies an unbelievable amount of film. He's got his own office up there, and you know, he's constantly in there watching tape. So there is some nuances, obviously, that Greg talked about yesterday in, in the system, and Coach Del Rio's running at this particular time. But uh, we, we feel confident that um, Derek will do a good job as to what they've been doing now.
You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, I want to get Adam's take on the uh, media goomba statement. <laughs> By the way, I misstated what what uh, Brent had said as we went to break. So he was actually saying uh, they didn't have to turn to media goombas, but it's kind of interesting about the whole hit job thing. That's coming up in a couple minutes. We've got a 7 nothing game already over at the Al as Utah marches down the field. They get a short run to go up on Oregon. Remember, they just crushed them a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see if Oregon has more life in this one. A lot of stuff swirling around both programs. We'll get to that with both of the coaches. The Mario Cristobal stuff is pretty crazy with Miami. So we were just talking about some of the storylines for the Raiders and the football team, like uh, Del Rio and Carr. Um, what else do we have, Adam? Uh, we've got injuries that we've we discussed as well. Um, and I think relating injuries, we've got – you know, a situation where Foster Moreau is going to be called on uh, to step in for Darren Waller, uh, as has happened before. Uh, last time it was against Philadelphia. Uh, he got, you know, six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and he actually he actually spoke today, um, had a lot of interesting things to say. Actually, one was uh, really declined to uh, give an endorsement of Brian Kelly at his alma mater, LSU. <laughs> Which I love that. What did he say? Basically, his his mom told him if he didn't have something nice to say, don't say, don't it. say anything. And then he yeah. he said he hadn't seen the Southern accent thing yet, but he said like, hey, one of the things I love about Coach O is like he's one of us. Like he right. knows he goes he knows every bit of soil in Louisiana. So is and, Brian Kelly, and didn't have to pretend to. So is <laughs> so, Brian Kelly. Yeah, okay, Brian Kelly. Uh, uh, I, I'm Coach Kelly here. <laughs> like, okay, Coach. <laughs> We're both terrible. We're so, so bad at it. It's so, but he's so point. bad at it. That's the We're point. We're still better than him. But so I so one of the things I, I mentioned earlier, I think it's really interesting to watch uh, how the special teams play tomorrow uh, okay. because Foster Moreau is like the key special teams player now that Alec Ingold has been out um, and Keyshawn Nixon's been out. So um, they're going to take him off most of the special teams. But I asked Foster Moreau about his contribution on special teams and how it may be, re, uh, may be reduced. We're going to listen to his answer and see if you can tell in his answer he's very distracted because I asked him the question, and all he's doing as he's answering this question is staring at the coffee in front of me. Of course, yeah. And, he, and we have a, we have a uh, pretty, pretty tight relationship. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a three out of four core special teams guy, and I'm trying hard to get that fourth core. He won't put me on kickoff. Uh, you know, bless him. But uh, yeah, he, there's there's no way I'd be off punt, and um, I'll definitely be going in at certain times uh, wherever I'm needed. Truthfully, what's in your coffee cup? Uh, it's cold brew with almond milk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you got nothing. I thought it was. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. So what was the problem? I think he, he what man that was that was one of the. That answer was terrible. He was very distracted by my it was like a nine. It was a nine-second answer that turned into 43 <laughs> seconds, and then he finally got to what he wanted to get into. Like, hey, what's in that cup? <laughs> right. So apparently he is a huge coffee person. Not really. Uh, but he, what he wanted – so afterwards, I don't think this is on camera anywhere. I, I'm going to try to find a clip because I'm sure somebody was filming him. He – instead of leaving the press room, he walked toward me, and he's like, you got to experiment a little bit, man. He's like, you got to get some pralines. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> Praline. I'm like, what is this guy even saying? 
Uh, it was preposterous as you heard him there. He is so distracted by wanting to talk about my coffee that he can't even answer the question. It was, and he finally just got into it. Now, I think he wanted me to like say some ridiculous things that were my coffee so he could make fun of me. But it was like cold brew with almond milk. He's like, all right, I got, I got nothing. But then literally afterwards, he went into like a three-minute, like you got you to gotta try a little harder. Like you experiment a little bit with, with the coffee. Because apparently he's like three or four cup a day guy with all kinds of different flavorings. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Darren's day-to-day up in the air, just like you said. Um, I'm preparing like he's not ready, but I'm also preparing at the other spots if he is ready. So uh, that shouldn't be any issue, and we're excited to play on Sunday. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. You had some uh, good guy stuff up in front of the mic this week, huh? Foster Moreau, interesting. I heard Deshaun Jackson was was real funny. What was that, his birthday the other day? Yeah, talked about uh, going up to dinner with Marshawn. Nice. Uh, Willie told us that he also talked about the fact that, uh, you know, being here in Vegas on a regular basis, much different than coming in and going crazy for two days. Yeah, but he also said he's too old to party now, which, come on, man, you're only Mm -hmm. 35. Shaky, come on. I'm not too old. I don't party hard, but come on. Actually, I, my favorite Deshaun moment was uh, our friend Paul Gutierrez asked him, what's it like to be 35? And he's like, bro, it's been like two hours. Come on. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Too soon, huh? <laughs> I actually, I have friends in from out of town. Uh, one's a college friend. The other one, he actually went to school with me, but I actually went to grammar school with him. But it was this weird thing. When you get this old and your memory starts to fade, I was asking him questions, and I think he was almost like he was getting insulted. He's like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, like I was like, wait, we played Little League together? He's like, yeah, you don't remember? I'm like, nope. Yeah, I I told you that. I I forget all the time. I was like, wait, were we in the same grammar school or not? And he's like, yes. (laughs) But I tell you, the other thing I discovered is, uh, man, when people come to Vegas and they're they're not looking to go like crazy Vegas, I was lost. I was like, uh, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna throw a bunch back. Okay. Like, what do you, where do you take somebody? Yeah, so I basically just, I was like, yeah, let's, I'll take you on a tour up the Strip and over to Allegiant Stadium. <laughs> that's that's nice. That's what we did. Did they appreciate it? They seemed to enjoy it. Hmm. I mean, the- so much so that I, I kind of wrote myself in potentially. Uh, into potentially going out on Saturday night when I get back from oh, no. this quick road. Well, here's the thing: I don't think, but I don't think they're going to go crazy because I think they're both going to. I get back at like 11:30 on Saturday night, which for me, for you, are like, yeah, let's let's go somewhere, right? I think for both of them, they're going to be like, yeah, like you know, 12:45. Yeah, flight's coming up. I got to go to sleep. Are you going to have to you have to show them around, like take them to church or something? It sounds like that's probably their speed. They're just they're just not party guys. That's okay. all. One one has one has. I mean, in defense of the guy, one has a medical condition. He can't okay. he can't drink, so I can't like mock on him. Like he would, you know, sure. he would die. His head would explode. So did, did I? Like, come on, bro. Like you were shot. You know what? It's a, it's a weird because I'm I was in that situation not that long ago where, and I'm not even I'm not even like in Vegas especially as you know like I'm not going out and like yeah let's go get drunk every night like I just don't do it. But I was I was uh, walking through the tailgate party a couple weeks ago uh, at Allegiant, and there was a bunch of friends that were like, 
like, hey, come do a shot with us. And I was like, eh, I, I don't know them. They're just like, you know, they were all friends of each other. And I was like, all right. I walked over. I didn't do a shot. I just kind of hung out with them and, you know, watched their thing. And one of them wasn't doing a shot. And I was like, dude, what's with this guy? You know, like trying to. <laughs> and then he slides up his leg to reveal he has like a an alcohol monitoring brace. And I was like, okay. I guess. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Not like, awkward at all. Good my job. bad. I didn't mean, <laughs> that, that's... I didn't mean to come after you. <laughs> Apologize. I don't know. <laughs> It's always something. So I, will, I, will, I will tell you, these are not your uh, typical. They're both from uh, the New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, New Jersey area. They're not your typical goombas that I deal with. Oh, whoa, whoa. Exactly. Exactly. Who can use that term? Who can't? That could be a debate for another day. So, uh, Brent, has there been any fallout? Has there been any chatter around the Raiders facility with Brent talking to JT over on Raider Nation Radio saying that, uh, they actually didn't need to use their usual media goombas to take someone out, but this was a hell of a hit job was that it, took out John Gruden. First of all, I know this isn't the point. Was it goomba or guma? It was goomba. Was it? Okay. Yeah, because the guma is the, the side piece. That's what I thought. That's what I thought he said. No. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I, is it gabagool or pursuit? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mutaren. Uh, yeah, I, I think nobody no, – there's not really been any outrage or anything like that. I, I don't I don't know that it's necessary. How, um, can I ask you a question? How did not one of you in the last two days, like, just yelled out, hey, Goomba, to Basaccia? <laughs> don't you press him on it? Like, hey, what do you think? What's going no. on there, Rich? Well, it's not, it's not Rich Versace's responsibility to answer for what the team's broadcaster says. I just want to tie together <laughs> sure. Italian-Americans and the Goomba term. Uh, there was definitely some Italian-American discussion uh, after yeah. uh, Versace's presser today. He okay. he definitely went full uh, <laughs> full, full Italian uh, discussing some New York stuff with uh, <clears throat> some of the people in the press room, for sure. But, yeah, oh, no, I don't I don't think he's, he's had to get into that. I don't, th- I don't think he has to, like – the organization is not going to come out and say something like this. They're they're in the middle of a lawsuit. They're going to let this stuff play out. Um, it made for some interesting headlines for sure that the team's broadcaster would come out and say uh, what he said. Uh, but I think the important thing to really keep in mind is I think those are fair questions. I think it's fair to ask how these got released, and, and those things will be determined in court. Like We'll find out how these emails got out and the other ones didn't and why they got out and the other ones didn't and whether it was a targeted release at a certain time of the season or whether they could have done it before. Like, all those things are very fair and should be asked. But they don't change the fact that he said it. Right. Like, they don't change the fact that John Gruden said these things in emails. And by the way, these are two different stories within a story. We can talk about how the stuff came out, but also say it got out what he said was stupid and ridiculous and offensive, and if he was actually practicing what he was preaching, then a billion percent he should be gone. But they are two different stories because I keep seeing folks, and I'll point it out, Deshaun Reed keeps saying that you know everyone's concentrating. Like We're not concentrating on in any way defending Gruden, but it is interesting how it came out from an investigation that involved another team and 650,000 emails. Yeah, I, I believe they're two absolutely completely different stories. And, you know, I, I think it's it's very fair to ask those as much as, listen, I believe once those emails came out, John Gruden had to go. I believe that. And I will stand by that forever. If for no other reason, then 
the organization that he represents, which has always been about inclusion and and um, being at the forefront of social issues, and the fact that he is literally coaching the first openly gay player in the NFL. You can't say those things and be the coach of that team. It It's not possible. He had to go. But I also think it's fair to ask the questions of where where and why and how these things came out and why they did at a certain time. And, and those investigations are fair, and I think they are two completely and totally different stories. I should – boy, this thing's falling fast. I should lay the one and a half – with Vegas, this is as low as, as it's going to get, right? This isn't going to be like a one or a freaking pick em on Sunday, is it? Um, it could. I feel like is the it sh- down, is it down a point and a half because of Darren Waller? What's going on? No, here? I think I think Sharps like the the spot with the football team's been a little bit better lately. Um, I think the the matchup is reasonable uh, for a football team, although it's a short week all the way across country. Right. Um, I don't know. And listen, the the. The football team isn't great, but we we know that the Raiders, you know, their their numbers, their power ranking, and their numbers don't look as impressive as their record does. Um, so I think there's still a lot of questions about how for real the Raiders are. And let's also, sorry, let's not forget, uh, without a couple of, let's say, generous flags, they probably have a four game losing streak right now. Explain that. Well, I mean, the, obviously the the penalty situation worked out very very well for them in Dallas uh, I think most of them were pretty legit penalties but I think a couple could be debated I think in particular the last penalty of the game on Anthony Brown could or it wasn't the last one because there was like seven flags on the field goal attempts uh, but the last meaningful play was the pass interference which I didn't love that call um, without some of those favorable calls maybe that outcome's different and they could be on a four game losing streak and um, then all the money, I think, would be going on Washington. Bottom line, there are teams that Sharps and the books like yeah. and that they don't like. And I don't mean it's like a personal thing. They don't have a vendetta against right. them. But there are teams they will stick with and they will have a higher power, a high power ranking with for a while. Um, your case in point moving forward, have you seen the look-ahead line with the Chiefs and the Raiders next week? Uh, ten and a half? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I – think- <laughs> I think right now the oh man, I think the Chiefs are are the best or second best team in the AFC right now today. Yeah, maybe uh, Patriots could be up there too, but I think it's Colts one. Um, maybe Chiefs right there with them at two. Wow, the Colts really? Yeah. Well, and sharps in the books have been all over them all season, showing them respect, even you know, even though they got off to a rough start. Yeah, the, the Colts are really good. I mean, lead the league in takeaways, and you can't stop Jonathan Taylor. So um, I, I think the Bucks are a really bad matchup for them, as we saw last week, right. uh, because they can stop the run so well. Um, and they don't really, you know, they don't always turn the ball over. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of um, – I, I think everybody's bunched up. The Patriots are playing so well right now. Uh, the Chiefs are very good. They've been even better, and they're coming off a bye. Um and we know what Andy Reid does off buys as well, so I, I don't know. They won't be next week, but you know, it's 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 so it's so bunched up. It's crazy. Adam Hill on the AFC. I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's it's a total mystery. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Bag up, bag up. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. 
only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Pac-12 title game. Much of what we saw a couple weeks ago, Adam. Oregon is struggling. Anthony Brown, not seeing, I think that was the safety or a linebacker, in the flat, actually in the middle of the field. Pick six the other way, so now thing over at the Owl. And, you know, I mentioned I went out last night. I didn't see the Utah fans. I heard today there were a ton of Utah fans around town, and you can see it in the stadium. Oh, it's red. There are thousands and thousands of Utah fans who travel down for the game, along with our good friends from NFR. There were cowboy hats and live music everywhere. But uh, I'm not saying that we could have seen this coming, but this was a potentially weird spot for both teams from a coaching standpoint. One, there have been rumors from early on, very early on in the season, Adam, that Kyle Whittingham could walk away from the job if they make the Rose Bowl. Hmm. And we're hearing more and more of that, so – who knows if he told his team or, you know, they're, they're, they're in on what the hell's going on. So they're extra motivated. And on the other side, rumors come out like six, eight hours ago that Miami's making a real run at Mario Cristobal to bring him back to his alma mater to steal him from Oregon. So you wonder if his players are a little bit distracted. Yeah. I mean, it's tough not to be, like you said, it's only been in the last couple of hours. It's not like they've had, you know, two weeks to kind of go through these rumors a little bit. And not, you know, if you're really paying close attention, maybe you, saw it coming potentially, but um, these things have really heated up the last few hours. And so I, I, I feel like, yeah, players can be distracted by that. You know, they're checking social media and seeing it. Um, also, you know, what was he doing today? Was he interviewing? Mm-hmm. Was he recruiting for Miami? <laughs> like, we've seen well, you know, his, his, uh, his mom's actually sick. I think his mom's 91. He went to visit her in the last couple of weeks back in the Miami area. So it's funny. You'd think after Oklahoma lost its coach and Notre Dame lost its coach that there wouldn't be a fan base out there that would be all, you know, puffing their chest out. <laughs> but I saw that today with Oregon fans. You know, a bunch of people on social media are like, ha, 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 why would he ever go to Miami? Folks, you never know the motivation of a coach. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know their working relationship with the people above them. You just don't know. You don't know what the end goal is for these guys. I mean, would it shock you if Mario Cristobal can get the same money? Listen, the Miami job in a lot of ways is harder than the Oregon job. In a lot of ways, it's easier. Because while Oregon – think about what's going on with Oregon now. Where Where's Oregon made its hay, Adam, in terms of building this program up over the last 20 years? Recruiting in California, especially Southern California and Texas, right? There are no players in Oregon. There are very few. Yeah. There just aren't as many as some other talent-rich areas of the country. So it's not as easy as Chip Kelly and others have made it over the years, and Crystal Ball as well. I know Miami has been down. I know they don't have the money that Oregon has. I know they don't have the facilities that Oregon has. But they also have hundreds of players in the Sunshine State every year that are going to go play Division One college football. So when I saw Oregon fans today like laughing at the possibility that he might consider Miami, be careful. <laughs> you never know what coaches are thinking. Yeah, I mean, I'm – I'd be surprised if he's not considering it. Really? Yeah. And I should also throw on top of that, uh, listen, I'm sure the guy is up for the fight, but with what happened this week, going through Southern California and just rampaging through the area and grabbing all the players you want, maybe not as easy on the top, top guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, like it was a couple of years ago. You ain't going against Clay Helton and his his staff, which (laughs) – 
you know, a lot of people have said uh, came off as kind of lazy, really wasn't putting the work in. It's Lincoln Riley now. And you've already seen the Lincoln Riley effect with the Oklahoma class. Like kids, especially the 2023 kids are like, yeah, we're out. Like we wanted to play for him. We didn't want to go to Oklahoma. Let's be true. They didn't say this, but truthfully, like he was there. So that's why we were going there. But if we get to stay home and play at USC, and then of course we're going to stay home. We're not going to Norman, Oklahoma, but, but same thing. People, if you had told people two weeks ago, Lincoln Riley might consider USC. Uh, like they would be laughing at USC. Who's laughing now, right? <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, there's, there's no question. And it's, I think there's a, a whole new way of thinking that people have to adjust to of how some of this is going to go that they're not ready for. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Did you see the weird news today that Mark Turgeon essentially got pushed out of Maryland? He's made five of six NCAA tournaments. Two years ago, they were the regular season champion, Big Ten, and uh, apparently uh, Maryland has uh, more recent UNLV-itis with the fans because you know, being good and not winning national championships. And I'm not saying UNLV has been as good as Maryland, but because of that national championship, uh, Maryland fans' expectations are completely out of control. I, I'm also, I'm wondering how much this is fan pushed. Um, I mean, they got the chant going very strongly at the game the other day. And I was, I was watching a stream of it and I was like, oh boy, it is the loud, you know, fire Mark Turgeon uh, chant that's going on there. Um, so I, I do wonder how much like that vocalization and that, um, not wanting to have that going on all year at your games could have influenced part of this. Uh, but I actually thought they had some talent this year. I thought they were a pretty good team. Um, I I think they have a lot of talent. I thought they were good last year and you know, they, they were affected by COVID last year. I, I like their roster. They have freaking, that is a big physical intimidating team. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, fresh blood can, uh, make them start to live up to expectation a little bit, but um, to me, like I again, I don't know how much the the fan push had to do with it, but it does show that the the fans do still have a voice at times. Stick your hand in there, Dave. What's your favorite play of the week? Is it Mike Lennon and the Giants plus six against Miami? Now six and a half. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as much of a Glennon guy as you are. I love Glennon. It's your, <laughs> your guy. He's my guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate that. I mean, I think that there's a there's some solid value uh, on that. I do. Um, man, I do like the over in the uh, Chargers Bengals games. I don't think the weather's going to be too bad. Uh, that's certainly something to uh, to keep an eye on in that game. And you are not an over player, so that no. number's 50, 50, 49 and a half. Yeah, I just think there's going to be uh, a lot. And I actually do like Buffalo on Monday as well. You're going to take the Jets, right? No Jalen Hurts probably for the for Wait, the Eagles. What? Jets plus six. I thought he's playing. Oh, boy. I have to check. If I'm not saying it's official. I'm not saying it's yeah. official. If there's no – I mean, I have a lot of fantasy updating to do. Um, if, there's no, if there's no Jalen Hurts, that'll definitely uh, sway my decision a little bit. So I'm about uh, eight stories up at a hotel in San Francisco getting ready for the game tomorrow, UNLV against the Dons. Uh, a couple of minutes ago, I heard a lot of screaming and yelling between two males. Was that some road rage, some kind of fight that way, or could it be something else? Uh, I mean, where are you, if you're close to campus, it could be anything. Yes. But based <laughs> on your experiences on the street of San, uh, streets of San Francisco, every else. once in a while things could break out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Careful. I'm jealous. 
I am walking the streets, baby. All right, tune in tomorrow night, 6.30, with Running Rebel Warm-Up. We'll see you at 7 o'clock with the play-by-play.